chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control Alt Desire, now streaming on Paramount Plus. What's up? Welcome back to the Barton and Bud Show. This is the user appreciation mailbag episode 247, five stars and a bunch of reviews, and we appreciate every one of them. Uh, so thank you. We don't appreciate the ones or the two stars. I think we only got like one of those. So sorry, bud. Pick another pod. But for all the rest, yeah, thank you. Truly, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And we're excited to interact with you, get into some of your questions, feedback, and comments. Uh, Barton, uh, actually, we got a I went to Alabama, so we, we that, that two star got a Bama bump to uh, to three stars. <laughs> All right, so let's just get into this again. We pull these questions from the Apple Podcast reviews, and uh, going to start here. Uh, the Samba says, "Hey, for the mailbag, if you could pick, if you could have lifetime tickets to any regular season game, which would you pick?" Uh, Samba says he would go with LSU and Bama. Okay, so. I think that's the correct answer. Um, I look. I mean, I've never been to LSU Bama, so I am. Uh, you know, I guess maybe I should experience it before I start booking my lifetime passes to it. Uh, but man, like, if you got atmosphere, you've got NFL talent everywhere, and neither program seems to be slowing down. Um, it's uh, you. You get the nighttime atmosphere in, in a lot of cases. I think that's the pick. Now, there are certainly some other good options out there. Uh, I've got a few that, that are tempting. But, Bud, do you disagree with, what's my guy's name? The Samba. Do you disagree with Samba? Have you got one that you would clearly top above LSU-Bama? I, I just think that, like, if I have to have lifetime tickets, I'm factoring in stuff like, can I ever see these programs not being committed to winning? You know, and like, are they ever really going to dip off that much in terms of, of spending and, and and the commitment to winning? And I, I don't think so, right? Like, they both have booster orgs that are just like that damn good. The state of Louisiana was like in a damn budget crisis, and LSU is like money, money, money. Like they're you know like they're they're cool with it, man. And like, Bama clearly is is always going to care about winning. The atmospheres are great. I've I, I've been been to the game. At both spots, uh, my wife went to LSU, and in that 2012 game when they threw the screen pass to uh, uh, who was the back? Uh, Yeldon. Yeldon. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. I, I, I basically just like you played, so you're kind of conditioned just under your breath. You say screen, right? Like as soon as you see it, you just—it's almost like if you played baseball. As soon as the pitcher tips his move, you yell back, right? Mm-hmm. You know, just in your head at least. And I was like, oh, screen touchdown. And my, you know, then girlfriend was like, wait, what? And it's, and they throw the pass, and she's like, because she went to LSU. She's like, I, I hate you. Uh, <laughs> so like that that game is just awesome, man. And I, that's probably the the pick. There, if if we take that one out of the equation, 
what, what's your second choice? Well, and the other thing that's appealing about that game is if you're look, if we're really t- being honest about this, it's got to be more than just the game. It's got to be the tailgate, the atmosphere, the food. You're going to get great food in Louisiana. You're going to get great barbecue in, in Tuscaloosa, surrounding areas. Uh, so that's a plus, and the tailgate scene will be outstanding. So, like, all those things check. So you're just not missing anything in that boat. Um, I think I will say if if I could sort of – I mean, look, Michigan, Michigan-Ohio State would be, would be great as well, but you got to deal with some cold weather in that. I'm not really a cold weather guy. Like those are great games. Those are going to be meaningful for the, till the end of time. But, uh, you know, cold weather makes it less ideal for me. Um, I also think that I went to Penn state, Ohio state. I covered that, uh, two years ago at the, at a whiteout. That was phenomenal. Um, so, a whiteout, maybe if I could just do like the whiteout alternating years, Michigan, Ohio State, that could be, you know, that could be fun. But I don't know, maybe, maybe that gets, gets old at some point. Um, but those are a couple of the one, other ones that jump out. Of course, of course, you know, I'm never going to turn down the opportunity to go to Harvard, Yale to the end of time. But uh, I'm afraid I might be alone in that book. See, I, I kind of feel like if you're looking at lifetime, like this is a game you're going to go to every single year and I agree with you about about, about the cold weather. I've, I've never done Harvard Yale. I've never done Army Navy. I would like to do to do those at least once. I don't know if I want to do those every single year, although I mean, it, it, it wouldn't suck, certainly. Um, the weather point is a good one. Also, the, the excitement factor. Like The Red River game is – can we say shootout here on, on, on a on – Green network? light, man. Have okay. at it. Yeah. 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 So the, the Red River shootout is – to me, it's always a really exciting game. Even the blowouts are are exciting. Like like when Roy Williams jumps over the Texas offensive line and goes like Lamar Arrington two point to to hit Chris Sims and 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 you know, make that fumble in the end zone. Like that's it, even the blowouts are exciting. The weather for that is usually pretty solid. You at least get to go to a major city. So like if you've done if you're gonna pick one that's in a college town, it's gotta be, I think, a great college town, like somewhere you're really looking forward to going every single year. And I've been to Columbus. I've never been to Happy Valley. I, I think that's actually a really good pick game wise. But if we're gonna make a weekend of it, like you could go to Dallas, there's some different things you can do in Dallas. That that's not and I'm not talking about the fair, but like that that's not a bad one uh to go there. So either that I don't want to pick the cocktail party just because I feel like I don't want to go to Jacksonville more than I have to. Game-wise, there's a lot of talent in that game. A lot of times it's low-scoring and, and kind of ugly, but I, I think give me Red River. All right. So, And, and I, I'll admit that I, have, I probably have been to a lot fewer of these games than people would expect because so much of – A, when I was in college, I was playing, so that's five years of, of not going to any games. After college, a lot of times uh, covering high school – and so you're covering games on Fridays and Saturdays. And then even when I've been focused more on college football, I've spent a lot of my time at home watching as many games as I can to consume as much. So I don't have a huge, long laundry list of experiences in terms of these rivalries. So if I'm missing one, I need to know. Because I, I still, I've got a bucket list. And so I want to hit these. And I've heard Florida, Georgia actually is really fun, which is kind of surprising because like you, like I'm not like that stoked to go to Jacksonville, but 
friends of mine that have gone to that game say that's that's a legit experience. Oh, it, it's definitely fun. I, I will say I wonder is there a selection bias amongst my friends who go there? Because I don't know any of my friends who go there on an annual basis who are not either Gators or Dogs, right? And and, and they 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 say they stay out at what St. Stephen's uh, if you're a Georgia fan, or or you stay on Jack's Beach if you're a Florida fan, and and, and they bring the RVs up. I I'd be interested in, in do we have any non-Florida, non-Georgia fans who make that an annual trip? Do you think that, there's that, not? Do you think there's non-fans of anywhere that make an annual trip to a game? Other than maybe I think Army there, Navy, there probably are. Yeah, Army Navy. I know there are groups of, of, of friends who go and they pick a different game yeah. every year, but I don't know if, if there's any non fans who go to the same game every year. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so give us another five star review and tell us what we missed. Cause I, I, I honestly, I got a running list. I need to get these done. Um, and LSU Bama is probably still number one on the list. Um, all right. This one's from K and JB3. Thoughts on the Hokies? I've got a bet that Virginia Tech will end up in the top 25 on the field and in recruiting this year, even though it's been pretty bad lately with Virginia Tech recruiting. I feel like Fuente is a coach that doesn't like the recruiting aspect and should have more recruiters on staff. Uh, I really think Virginia Tech has got a chance to be good this year. And, it, and I don't know that I realized it until I started digging it's all about Hendon Hooker. Eh, it's largely about Hendon Hooker. Like he's got to be a, a good quarterback, um, a consistent quarterback. And if he is, they've got some pretty good players around them. They've got a chance to do some things, and, and especially in the ACC where it's sort of up and down outside of Clemson. I, I do agree that it could be a team that surprises a lot of people. I could see them six and two in, in ACC play. Uh, they do have to go play on, on the road at Notre Dame. I, I think their defense will be better. It, I, it's hard to knock Bud Foster, but also like if, if you hit Justin Fuente w- w- with with the truth serum, do you think he wanted Bud Foster? I, I I my guess is he probably wanted to bring in his own guy, and now he gets a chance to do that. Who did they bring in? Uh, who did they get? Should have asked you that without knowing the answer. <laughs> uh, Justin Hamilton. Okay. Got it. He was at – do you know where he was at? Uh, he was promoted. Oh, internal. Okay. Um, so he's a he's – a, so look, hey, maybe that answers your question uh, because he was a – he's a Bud Foster guy. Uh, and so I don't know. I mean, look, you're implying it sounds like that maybe Bud Foster was a little bit, maybe a year or two late on this retirement, um, which may be the case. But ultimately, I still think, I mean, there's, there was like a, there's a lot of issues that, uh, that they've dealt with over the last couple of years. Like, cultural roster personnel issues and you know i think they, they still had some some ins and outs of the transfer portal this cycle um but it feels like things have settled a little bit in the second half of the season we started to see some of that continuity kind of shine through uh 
and again, I think I think quarterback is huge. Um, and I think Virginia Tech. I think Justin Fuente, like I, the 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 commenter is right. Like I think Justin Fuente, even back in Memphis, when people would ask me, "What is he like as a recruiter?" Like, well, he's gotten some good players, but he's not out recruiting people. Um, I, that's sort of what it's been like at Virginia Tech too. Like the classes are never going to be all that overwhelming, but they've gotten some really good players, and at this point, they're should be all his for the most part. And so uh, I suspect that this is the year that we see like the best version of Justin Fuente, even though he had, but they had 10 year, 10 wins that first season, I think, but like, I think we've dipped as the culture has started to shift and, and now the climb back up starts to, to peak again. If we hadn't had the Corona stuff, I, I really think that we would be putting Justin Fuente on sort of like the, the make or break it year list, right? I mean, like, I, I don't think we're going to have a whole lot of firings this offseason because what happened with the economy. You know, Barton, they really should be, I think, 4-1 and one entering September. You, you, got, you host Liberty to open, and you go to Penn State, or you host Penn State. That's, that's probably still a loss. You get Virginia Tech. But it'll tell us a lot. Like, that, it, that I mean, look, it's, it's winnable. I mean, they could beat Penn State. Uh, that's a big game, a big opportunity. I, I agree. I think they lose it, but that'll how competitive that game is and what it looks like will tell us a lot. For sure. Uh, and you, you have to go to Middle Tennessee State. You host North Alabama. You, you, you host Georgia Tech. Then you're at UNC. Then you get Boston College. Then you go to Louisville. Then you're at Pitt and you host Miami. Then you got to go to Duke and, and you get UVA at home in a revenge game. I. I don't think it's outrageous to think Virginia Tech can go six and two in the ACC, and and if you're six and two in the league, I mean that is a you have a pretty good chance of either winning outright or winning in a tiebreak the Coastal Division. I mean, this is an ACC schedule. Like you, they could win eleven. I mean, this is yeah. it's so ridiculous that to open the schedule and see so many winnable games now i mean in acc fashion sure like a lot of these games that that you sort of chalk up as wins could could also bite them i mean obviously georgia tech's gonna be better north carolina has got sam howell and and is is, is on the come up louisville Pitt, miami you know duke with chase bryce virginia like all those games are also losable so i mean this that's the nature of the conference like a lot of these games can go either way but you know when you look at big 10 schedules when you look at SEC schedules, even when you look like Big 12 schedules, that, that you just don't see as much white meat as you do in this one. Uh, and so it's, it is, man, it's, it's encouraging if you're Virginia Tech, I think, to look at that and think about what, what can happen. So, hey, pressure's on them because they gotta, now they got to do it. Is he going to lose his bet, though? Top 25 on the field, top 25 in recruiting rankings? I, I hope he got some odds. I don't know about recruiting. I, that's a, I just I don't trust Fuente to finish the tw- top twenty-five recruiting class. I think he could. I think he could. I just don't. I'm not. This is it's too early to chalk that up. You know where they were last year? Where? Seventy-fourth. <laughs> Previous year twenty-sixth. Previous year eighteenth. Yeah. Hey, it's, uh, it's it's possible. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. It, it's it's possible. I. I wouldn't take this unless I was getting some odds, but I, I do think this is sort of a make or break year 
for Fuente. And also, I, I, recruits, at a certain point, you kind of have a a bit of a like a proof of concept type year, and you lose the ability to sell a vision, and you have to actually sell what you've put on the field. And I think this is really their year they have to show proof of concept. Yeah. And to be clear, I do think they finished top 25 in, on the field. That that I would be disappointed if they didn't. Uh, next up, Ehrlichman. Ehrlichman, okay. Uh, talk about Iowa in the top 10 of recruiting, you cowards. Uh, gladly. I think I, this... So in the, in the age of coronavirus, when uh, local recruiting is being more prioritized than ever because which of these kids even want to leave home, which of these kids know if they'll have opportunities beyond home, which of these programs will be able to go out and evaluate outside of their backyard. Like just if you got a good recruiting, local recruiting base this cycle, you're, you're fortunate. Iowa has offered more kids from the state of Iowa in this class than it ever has under Kirk Ferentz. That's a, that is quite a, a statement because Kirk Ferentz, unlike most of these coaches, has been there for a while. Uh, so I think that that's a pretty strong indicator that this is a class that's got a chance to be pretty good, especially when you consider that two of their top three commits are out-of-state kids. Um, and three of their top six commits are out-of-state kids. And so I think they're going to keep racking up in-state commits. I think Iowa, to me, is one of the under-appreciated, eh, I don't know, people should recognize what Iowa's doing on the recruiting trail more. I, I think they do an awesome job. Because if you, like, when, I, when, when we find a guy, when I find a guy that I really like and excited about that's an Iowa commit, and we rank him high, he typically hits. And I'm talking like AJ Vanessa, that was an easy one, but Tyler Lindenbaum is going to hit. He was a four star bass of one by other, other people. Um, Tristan Wirfs is going to hit. Um, Art, yeah, already did hit. Yeah, I mean, did hit. Um, it, like, I think this class is a couple like that. I think Cooper DeGene is like, watch his film if you haven't. 6'2", 195-pound guy who plays safety for them. Watch his football film. You're not going to be able to tell anything about it. Like, it's – it's it, he plays Iowa competition. And he plays quarterback and what do you but, – but turn on his basketball clips and you're going to see a guy at 6'2", like, like exploding to the basket and playing well above the rim. Um, he's the type of kid that they really do a good job on. And then, then, and this David, David Koff kid they got out of Illinois, I think is a stud too. I just think I would, they do a great job of evaluating a great job of developing. And, uh, that's a program. You have to be elite at those two areas. And they, they really are. I mean, you mentioned David Koff, dude, this is a really nice class they're putting together. And I think I, I think you just talked me in, into doing one of my staying power series on Iowa, uh, we did one for Tennessee last week. It was it drew rave reviews from everybody but Tennessee fans. Who, by the way, their Tennessee fans are predicting we're going to elevate uh, at least nine of their three stars to four or five star status, and they have twelve of them uh, right now. So that that might be a little yeah. ambitious by by Tennessee fans there. But uh, here's something else: Does Iowa are they better than other teams at projecting position changes or figuring out what positions teams should play? Because they have five kids who had the athlete tag right now 
right? And by athlete tag, I mean guys who can play both ways, can reasonably project to multiple different positions. And we as an industry are not quite sure necessarily where they would commit. And oftentimes schools differ on, on, on what positions they, they want these kids at. Do you think Iowa maybe has has a knack for identifying guys like that? Because I just I'm scanning their class here. Five of their 14 dudes are, are listed as athletes. No, you know what it is? It's that they they recruit so many of these guys who play nothing, nobody football that they're playing all kinds of different positions. Like the Cooper DeGene kid who's plays who plays quarterback. Um, or you know, they they'll take uh you know their their offensive tackles might have been defensive ends and and tight ends in high school, or um, you know the linebackers will play some quarterback. And like I, I just think the the area they're recruiting in. And here's the other thing: is Iowa is perceived as as being at a disadvantage in recruiting in in that that region. And, and like yeah, I, I guess it is in terms of just the quantity of athletes that you're getting. But in a similar way, like. Look at the way Wisconsin does in terms of who they land. The, so many of Wisconsin's best players are, are from Wisconsin. So it's like a bunch of Iowa's best players are from Iowa. Like there, there's really good players there. And when you're, when you're picking the right ones that actually do have the right athletic traits, they're coming from a background where they have played four sports, where they have played every position on the field. And so their developmental curve is so steep that it's, it's, it's a much higher hit rate for those guys that have the, like the prerequisite athleticism, like they can, they've cleared that benchmark. That 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 hit rate is so steep because they're not the guy that's been maxed out playing six A football in the state of Texas or uh, you know playing seven on sevens year round in South Florida. Like these guys have so much more you can pull out of them, and they've developed so many more traits and skills that that you don't even know because they've been wrestling and they've been showing shot and they've been playing basketball and all these other things. So like, I, I, that's why I love athletes that play in these small towns because those guys are so much more equipped to develop and excel and succeed than a guy that's been focusing on football since he was in seventh grade. Yeah, they're not as close to their ceiling. I think that makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, let's go now to Valhalla, 24. He gave us five stars. Uh, what would be the four teams you'd most want to see in the playoff for the best matchups? Example, uh, he would go with Texas, Texas A&M, Bama, Ohio State to see Texas play A&M and the Big Ten versus the SEC. I, I think that's – there's some juice on that. Like, we, we would get so many content items if we get Texas and Texas A&M because, of course, they're not rivals, pardon. Right. Yes. Yeah, that, that's – it's. All the chirping would finally have to come to an end. And man, would that be an overwhelming gut punch to whoever loses that game and all the crow they'd have to eat. Because man, those two programs, it's a shame. Like Ole Miss, Mississippi State hate each other in a way that I think no other rivalry does. But there's, there's some real venom in the Texas, Texas A&M thing too. There is. Who would you have as your four i i can go first if you, if you want time yeah, to think about you go this first because I, right. I i i'm having a little hard time like grasping what this is about here so so lead me here what what do you what what, what direction are you going so i i want exciting matchups obviously in the first in the first round but i also want an exciting championship game and i i think styles make fights that's that's generally a true true statement so go ahead and give me 
I, I want Justin Fields and Trevor either in the first round or potentially set up to rematch each other. I, I think I want arguably the most explosive offense in the country outside of, of those two, Oklahoma, if, if Spencer Rattler can, can live up to the hype. because I just think that Oklahoma receiving core this year is going to be nasty, and, and I'm pretty high on Oklahoma's offensive line. Sneakily last year, I don't, I don't think OU's offensive line was what it was back in 2017, 2018. You know, it took a little dip last year because they lost so many guys, but I have a lot of confidence in, in offensive line coach Bill Biedenbaugh to get those guys back, back up to that elite status. So give me Clemson, give me Ohio State, give me Oklahoma, and I know that's very chalky. And it may somewhat lack storylines a little bit because, I mean, with the exception of obviously the, Clemson, the, the Trevor and, and, and Justin thing, but then I think let's let's throw Georgia in there, right? A, a team that is just so defense and against those high scoring offenses is going to face can can that force Kirby Smart to open up the offense in the playoff? What was he able to get through the SEC, a league that I think has more quarterback questions than it's had probably in the last five or six years? Like, is it possible that Kirby gets through the, the SEC at twelve and one, then gets to the playoff and has to play some offenses that can really light up the scoreboard? How does he decide to open it up? So. Give me three quarterbacks, three high-flying offenses, and then just one, probably the best defense in, in, in the country, in my opinion, in Georgia. Okay. I would say I like the idea of having a, a potential Trevor and Justin you know, conclusion to the rivalry in the championship game. So I want to dangle that out there for the opportunity to, to see it. And so I'm going to put Clemson and Ohio State on separate sides of the bracket. I'm going to put I think an, another Alabama, like what is this, Alabama-Clemson six or something, whatever it is. It's got to be five, I think, because they played, what, three title games, and then they also played the one where Kelly Bryant uh, just got kind of snuffed out. All right, so fill it up again. Like Let's, let's, let's take another, another gulp out of that. So Clemson and Alabama on one side because this is, I mean, this is Saban's, um, and then, hey, we, we might even see, you know Bryce Young under center, which which could could add to things. Um, I just think that that chess match, that elite talent matching up against each other, is would be would be pretty fun. And then for the other side, opposite Ohio State, I, I tend to think I, I'd also like to see Georgia too. Just I, I think those are probably the four probably the four best rosters in college football this season. Um, I mean, there's, yeah, I'd say they're probably the four best rosters in college football. I just ranked the rosters in college football. So I can't remember if, if those were literally my four, but they might've been. And ultimately like the, the, you know, the matchups and all this stuff is, is fun, but we all want to see just the best teams in there. Right. I mean, that's, that's the key. We don't want to see a blowout. We want to see, heavyweights and to me those are the four heavyweights heading into the season so what what if i give you this right what if you, ohio state beats georgia to go to the championship game and then the next night bryce young has taken over the starter for alabama trevor throws a pick and gets ejected for targeting right and then you have to have dj uanle come in and battle bryce young and we get to see kind of the future <laughs> of college football as a teaser for the next couple of years. And then Clemson somehow wins. And then we get Trevor Justin part two. 
the rematch to finish out their, their college football careers. That'd be glorious. That would be storyline heaven right there. That would be glorious. Well, yeah, well-constructed, bravo. That would be, be storyline heaven, especially for us at 24-7 Sports because we'd be the experts on who these guys are, where they came from, and what happened when they were sophomores in high school playing against each other. I, I, could, I could just see our... Who is who is DJ? Uh, article just shooting up Google Analytics like, like crazy uh, during that game as everybody Googles it. All right, uh, so NFL football twenty eight. This is for you primarily, Barton. He asked question for you. Twenty four seven has shown to have the best rankings uh, of the major sites, but twenty four seven uses the composite as the primary tool for overall player rankings and team rankings. I understand the use of the composite for third parties reporting on recruiting. Is it possible to keep the composite but make the 24-7 rankings the primary source on the website? I'd much rather look at the 24-7 only team ratings uh, and see the 24-7 staff talk about the 24-7 team ranking rather than the composite ranking, especially because the other two sites report their own rankings already. Uh, understood. That's a, it's a fair point. It's something that I think we, you know, we always talk about internally. And, and, um, but the reality is I think – our goal is to be the industry standard um, and the, the, the way to, to represent the industry most effectively is to be as unbiased as possible. And so while, yes, our rankings are the most accurate, at least in, in terms of measuring them against the NFL draft, that, that's been proven, uh, ultimately there is inherent bias in, in, in all these rankings. And by bias, I don't mean that we like Alabama more or that we rank Ohio State kids higher. I mean, bias in terms of what we've seen versus what others have seen, where we're strong, regions where we have guys that are really sharp, regions where other networks have guys that are really sharp that we might not. Like, there's just, there's just it's all human. And so I think the way we view this is it is it is really the only way to cut out any bias um, unintentionally though it may be and just say, look, this is what the industry believes this player is ranked as. This is what the industry believes these teams are ranked as and, uh, and, and operate that way. And so that, that's why I always take the opportunity to highlight where we are different than the composites in our rankings because obviously we feel really strongly about that. Um, and and strongly about our process, strongly about the product, uh, and so we're going to try to try to clarify where we we differ than the rest of the the, the industry. But um, but it's a fair question. But we you know again we just I think there's value for us in in, in representing the industry standard. I think it makes a lot of sense, and, and obviously, like you look all around, whatever major national publication is is talking about recruiting, they're you unless they're one of the three they're usually citing that composite. So it does seem like what we're doing there and getting our name out is, is working. Uh, so after this ad break, we're going to jump in to a couple more questions. We certainly appreciate all of these ratings and reviews. So let's go ahead and pay some bills. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving nonstop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.
streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. All right, Barton, uh, we're back, and thanks to y'all for listening to that. We have a question here from Knowles Chris. He submitted the five-star review. That's what we like to see. And Knowles Chris asks, uh, what are some non-conference home and home series you'd like to see in the future? For me, it's Florida State and Auburn. Uh, okay. What do you think about that, bud? Florida State-Auburn. I think it's a it's a pretty natural, you know, geographic one, right? They haven't. I, I'm trying to think the last time they played, other than the the, the title game there in in 2013, and I, I don't recall them having a home and home series uh, in quite a while. Uh, there's a little bit of, of a Bowden family connection there with with Terry Bowden and and Bobby, obviously, from back in the day. And I think Auburn canceled a series with Florida State, maybe in the late 90s or early 2000s. So there, there may be a little more additional rivalry there. They do kind of butt up against each other in recruiting some because they both recruit the Panhandle, South Georgia, uh, you know, Columbus area, and, and also Auburn recruits Florida uh, a, a decent bit. So there, there's some natural kind of rivalry there a, a little bit. So, I, I, yeah, that, that, that'd be pretty cool to see. So I, one of my first picks would be also involving Auburn. I think it would be fun to have a regular home and home. This would never happen because the, like, I guess just a, just a one-time home and home, I guess, not necessarily a recurring home and home, but I think it'd be fun to have an Auburn, Michigan home and home as basically like Auburn is sort of living in the Nick Saban shadow right now. Michigan is sort of living in the urban shadow right now. So I just think it would be fun to see like, these two programs play each other, Auburn and Michigan, and just sort of see who's like, who's the better second fiddle. I mean, <laughs> Auburn or Michigan fans probably would hate to hear that. So I apologize. I mean, no disrespect, but like, hey, Ohio State's crushing it right now. Alabama's crushing it right now. Who is the better second fiddle in that rivalry uh, when they play head to head? I just think that could be a kind of a cool dynamic. That's sort of your, your crabs in a bucket game, if you will. I, I, I had Florida, Michigan listed for for somewhat the, the same reasons. Um, you know, now I don't think Florida is second fiddle to Georgia to the same extent that Michigan is second fiddle uh, to Ohio State. So I'll go ahead and cross that off. I'm going to go really off the beaten path here. I want to see South Carolina, Michigan State, right? Two teams who are still trying to win games, 17, 14. They're they're similar, like rankings I think within their conferences like like neither are top five programs top six programs within their conferences they're fairly evenly matched I mean Michigan State's in a little bit easier league so they have generally about a win more per year than South Carolina does but like I I want to see Muschamp Mel Tucker right I want to see defense 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 who can try to pass the ball less than 10 times (laughs) in the game and and just People like 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 to like to stop and look at car wrecks. That that would be that'd be one I want to see. All right, so I have Michigan State with one as well. Um, okay, but I I have Michigan State and Utah, like Ooh. just two just gritty, nasty, tough programs that find resourceful ways of winning on the field and have had their their cycle up years, but typically are just sort of that. That, that tough game nobody wants to play in the conference. Uh, I just think that'd be like two 
big Rams, button heads. Um, that, 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 that dynamic, I think, sounds fun to me. I love it. All right. Give me a Bama and Ohio State. It's, it's obvious, but, but we need it, right? I mean, like, when's the last time these two played? Was it the, uh, the Zeke Elliott game? I guess, yeah, would have been. I mean, Bama fans want, want revenge. They've been the top two programs in college football other than maybe Clemson over the last decade. This just needs to happen. We need a home-and-home. Home. I don't want this at some Jerry World thing. I want Ohio State fans in Tuscaloosa. I want Bama fans in Columbus. Like really high-quality athletes all over, good storylines, like, like, like crazy. Uh, this is – Hell, how many shots of Urban Meyer up in the luxury box? Do we have? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be that would be a popular one. Um, Urban in the luxury box. Uh, you know who else are we gonna have out there? Uh, it, it, it would be we probably have a lot a lot of NFL guys on the sidelines, uh, a lot of trash talking on Twitter between NFL teammates, a lot of bets being made. That's a uh, I'm with you. That, that I mean that that's like a two Goliaths, two juggernauts going at it. So that would be fun. I, I've got, I've got two more. One I like here. I, I like the idea of a Miami USC home and home like two. Uh, I, yeah. I'd say it's probably safe to say right now, two underachieving programs in beautiful climates and environments with incredibly rich traditions and let's just see who can climb on the top of the other one and and boost themselves back into to relevancy. Uh, I think I think those two programs getting together every year, like it just makes a lot of sense to me, just in terms of the identity of those schools and and their their football tradition. I had the same one. That's yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just sitting here crossing it off. It, it that needs to happen. Like like among these that are fun. Bama, Ohio State, and USC, Miami. They those just need to happen. Get get that done. Just makes I'll, sense. So it's logical. I've got two more. All right, all right. And we already talked about it on the show. Longhorns, Aggies. Oh yeah, that's. I know I mean, you guys aren't rivals, crazy. but come on. Like, yeah, like, that, I should have had that on mine. Like, there's no question they should be playing. Yeah, that's that just needs to happen. It's crazy that that's, that's not a conference game anymore. And that you have that many passionate people in that state who get the trash talk each other at the water cooler every day, back when we still used offices and yet there's no way to settle it. Right. And so they said, they're like, Oh, well, if you take out Brew McCoy of the recruiting rankings, technically A&M is like 0.02 higher. I'm like, it'd be really cool if we had like an on field result to, uh, to measure who was better this year. That that'd be neat. It's also like a release valve on every time a Texas guy goes down in our rankings or goes up or an A&M guy goes down in our rankings or goes up. It's, it is such a hot button issue with those two fan bases because they got nothing else to gripe about. Like they have nothing else to brag about. And so recruiting rankings is like the only way they can actually compete in football. And so I would appreciate getting that thing scheduled so that people could just cool it a little bit when we, the, the natural, adjustments of of recruiting cycle are made for their commits uh i've got two more here uh this is a kind of a shout out for florida state fans because I, I know they want it florida state georgia tech has to play in years that uh that that they don't play it's, it's one of those non-conference games that you could schedule against a conference team because that's their closest geographic rival within the acc 
and they only play them once every six years, which is kind of crazy. And I know FSU fans want more games they can actually drive to. Probably the same for Georgia Tech fans. Uh, and then give me Oklahoma State, Arizona State. I just feel like that'd be a fun, like, shootout, evenly matched home-and-home home series between two sort of, like, quality second-tier uh, teams. It'd be wide open, but also, like, pretty athletic. You know, it wouldn't be no defense, but there'd be, there'd be some points scored. So Georgia, Florida State fans are pining for a Georgia Tech home and home. Not not, not due to the fact they that. love Georgia Tech. They just I, I know they want to play that game regularly because they used to play it like their first twenty years in the ACC until they switched to the divisional format. And now they basically have to like if you live in Tampa, you have to fly to every single Florida State road game with the exception of Miami. Like you're not driving. Oh, so they're Tampa just looking. To they're just looking for a reasonably close right. regular opponent. Yeah, I got you. Interesting. Would have never guessed that. Yeah, the only last one I have is Oklahoma, Georgia. I mean, we saw how great that game was in the Rose Bowl a couple years ago. And I just think they're such great mirror image programs. One is uh offensive guru, one is a defensive guru, one comes from an offense happy conference, one comes from a defense happy conference. Is the Oklahoma defense no good, or do they just play in a really good conference? Is the Georgia offense no good, or do they just play in a really good conference? These guys just sort of like the 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 balance of where does the where, where does the total land, the point total land at the end of that game would just be. I, I just think a fun annual tradition, or at least uh, you know, couple year run where we get to see it. That'd be great. I'm I'm all about that. Uh, okay, so Spartan fan 13. He asks us, uh, first of all, he says, hey, uh, this gives us the best inside look into the recruiting world that I have found on a podcast. Uh, love Bud's work uh, at blank before uh, and with Barton uh, is a good listen. Mailbag question, if applicable. 1A, uh, what are some of the biggest things that change from a recruiting standpoint when coaching changes and staffs turnover? Uh, and then 1B, what are some things you can tell right away Mel Tucker is doing differently than Mark D'Antonio? They just seem like they have much different approaches to the same thing. I would love to understand more about what really changes other than quote-unquote scheme fits and quote this type of player. Uh, from what changes from recruiting standpoint on coaching staff turnover, I don't know. Like That's, a, that's sort of a, a broad question that encompasses a lot of things. Uh, I think ultimately it's about, you know, rebuilding your board, um, building relationships, getting the right coaches in the right places, um, getting your off-field staff coordinated and put together. Uh, that's that's become more important than ever in terms of of what your what your support staff looks like. Um, I, I think with 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 the difference between Dan, Mel Tucker and Mark D'Antonio, to me it's like. One thing we're seeing right now is just when you look at Mel Tucker's recruiting and like what his background is. So he's he's spent a lot of time in the SEC. Um, he's built relationships there. They're recruiting there right now. They've got, uh, you know, so so often Mark D'Antonio's efforts were Michigan and, and Ohio and Midwest, and they you know they get a guy from Georgia here, there, wherever. But ultimately, it was it was focused recruiting effort. I, I think. Mel Tucker is is making an effort to get to Florida, to Georgia, to Texas, to a lot of different places in a more, more national way. Um, 
and I, so I think that's different. I also think just personality wise is different. Like the whole the whole uh, program vibe is going to be different under Mel Tucker because he's he is a very different person than Mark D'Antonio. He is, I think, a much more sociable, much more personable guy who is going to recruit. And so I think that's going to allow him to recruit different players. Mark D'Antonio was like so, I don't know, like culture oriented and tough guy oriented. And, and, and they did such a good job of finding those like hidden gems who fit their demeanor. Um, I think Mel Tucker will, will have an element of that, but I think he'll be able to also find some guys that, that might get allured by the shiny lights too. Um, I think there'll, there'll be a balance of that. All right, Vandy fan 87, big time college football, cover three podcasts, especially Vanderbilt football fan here. What does it take for Vanderbilt football to recapture the magic and winning culture during James Franklin's era at the school? Who do you think is the person for the job? Lots of Vandy fans hope for Charlotte's Will Healy. Thanks and anchor down. I love the idea of Will Healy at Vanderbilt. Um, I do think that like the idea of, of recapturing the winning culture of James Franklin is, is basically finding a coach that is as much marketer as he is a coach is someone that's going to just absolutely be a total thorn in the side of the administration every week, every day, get him to push him for as much as possible all the time. I think Will Healy is probably a great pick for that. He's the head coach of Charlotte right now. I'm with you there. I think you're on the right track, Vandy fan 87. Um, and ultimately, I think that this is a uh, this is a program that needs needs energy, um, needs needs like absolute. Like, do you, but do you remember at Vanderbilt? Like, people outside of Vanderbilt hated Vanderbilt. Like forever, Vanderbilt is just people is indifferent. Like, oh, cute little Vanderbilt. Like, I hope they I hope they win some games. Be good for those guys. When James Franklin was there, people hated Vanderbilt because James Franklin was making life tough on everyone else. That Vanderbilt needs somebody like that. I, I agree. Um, I, I want to couch my answer with this. So Vanderbilt, to a large extent, does not con- control its own destiny. And James Franklin did a great job at scheduling, aren't you? You going scheduling oh, on me? Ske- scheduling is important. It really yeah. is. And like I don't want to take away from what James Franklin did because I, I think James Franklin did a great job at Vandy. And like he, James Franklin was so much better than anybody else has been at Vandy. Like I think it really speaks to his accomplishment. He did, he kind of maximized what you can do at Vandy if the rest of the East is in a state of flux. And if, if some of your cross division games are also a little bit more winnable. So I think the way you have to go about it, Vandy, is like you said, Will Healy, and like like our our, our fan here, Vandy fan eighty seven said, Will Healy makes a ton of sense because you know he's going to push for those resources and and he's going to like he's going to make it cool to be a Vandy fan in Nashville. I think like people will buy in if you've met Will. Like I, I think you've met him, right? Like you would you get it. He I think he would really capture that that town and, and can play to a big city. The other way I think you could go is. If you go and get a guy who runs something really weird, okay, because Vanderbilt already has the sort of uh, like people overlook them type game within the SEC. Like that, the, the way Vandy wins some of these games sometimes is that teams just don't care 
that they're playing Vandy. They're they're, they're not staying in. Catch they're not on watching 11, their film. Eleven a.m. on a rainy Saturday, and they just got done with a war against LSU or somebody. And hey, Ken Niamatololo comes into Vandy, and yeah. you get a guy that is running like true triple, or um, oh shoot, our guy our guy at Tulane, um, Willie Fritz. Willie Fritz. Like you give me somebody that's running something that you don't see in any of your other league games or really in any of your other games at all, something that people don't want to play against and that people don't really care to focus in on and something that can burn you if you really don't, if you don't actually put some time to prep for it in practice. So either somebody who can really, like a Will Healy, who can get, get all his resources from the admin, like you said, or totally zig as the rest of the league is zagging and a lot of the SCs going spread. But I think what you're trying to do right now, like you're not going to out-defense people at, at Vanderbilt, like, like Derek Mason's trying to do. In fact, we know this. Bill Connolly's done studies on this, and, and, and like it's really it's pretty stark. Defensive recruiting rankings are better than offensive recruiting rankings. We know that, that they track much better than offense does, and that's because coaching matters a little bit more on offense. Offense is a true team game, whereas defense is a little bit more of like a collective individual effort. So I think you have to have somebody at Vanderbilt who is really creative offensively and can take advantage of that sort of overlooked factor. And you can sneak up and you can get like, if you're trying to get to a bowl, you got to give me four wins in the non-conference. I want the most boring, you know, give me New Mexico, give me New Mexico state in the same year, give me UTSA and then give me like, I don't know, not Charlotte, but somebody really crappy too. maybe a Georgia state in the year they don't beat Tennessee. And then find me a way to get to two wins in the league play or maybe three and one non-con three and five in league play like that's your sort of path to a bowl at Vandy and I think those are the two ways you can get there I don't think you can out beat people just going traditional there yeah I, no I think that's a great point and I think I think Vandy be smart to look at an option type guy at some point um and you know where I thought you're going initially and you kind of alluded to it was like James Franklin was really good at I, I, acknowledging look we got to get some wins out of out of like it's going to be hard to find wins in the SEC. Let's get four out of conference, and that's going to be a great start. And then we get two more, and we're bowl we're bowl eligible every year. And to his credit, they got nine wins two years in a row. All right, so that's it for the mailbag episode. Thank you so much for all the comments, the reviews. That that really does help, um, and uh, we enjoyed it. We will we'll hopefully dig back into mailbags down the road um, and talk about what you want to talk about. Uh, so keep the reviews coming. Uh, We will talk to you next week. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG.